Hello, Hospitality MD listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, it is my pleasure to bring Sylvia Kirkland to the show. Sylvia most recently served the Riggs Hotel in Washington, D.C. as the Director of Rooms, and she boasts 15 years of global luxury hotel management experience. She's worked in Italy, London, New York City, Austin, Texas, Amsterdam, and of course, most recently, Washington, D.C. After her position was eliminated due to the devastating effects of COVID-19 on the hotel industry, she has put her heart into her new blog, My Heart in Hospitality. Thank you so much for joining us, Sylvia, and for being on the show. It's a real, real pleasure to have you. No, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited, like I've said, to be able to be a part of this. It's, it's great to have the opportunity to cooperate with other people that are not, not exactly in my situation in your case, but that are battling with the, with the disaster that we're going through in the industry. So really nice to share anything I can to help others or to get insights myself. And this is a great opportunity. So thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, Sylvia. Um, so I want to start by asking you, because you've been doing this for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and after reading your blog and seeing your passion, it's that kind of passion and dedication to something that can be so thankless at times. And, uh, and, and to your point that I've seen you mention a few times is that it, this hotel industry doesn't pay very well either. You know, you're not going to get rich out of working in hotels, uh, especially considering the time and effort that goes into, um, you know, being successful and, and, and doing your part in the hotel. So if you can think back and remember the first moment that you remember feeling hospitality and that you kind of remember feeling inspired by um by that i know uh it's hard to dig back but anything that comes to mind i mean you know first of all like you said i i always say this industry is not for everybody because of multiple reasons obviously the the salary is not, we, we are not in it to be rich. Let's just say that. And, uh, you know, the hours are, are hard and you have, you, it, it just requires extreme flexibility and adaptability and a lot of um, being able to multitask and deal with great pressure. So it's definitely not for everybody. That's why I think the passion for it is just the key that really the people that have this passion and this devotion to it, they will be able to succeed and I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good question that you're asking. And, and it sounds a little bit, um, seems a bit tacky, but to be honest, it was really from my first job um, because I always knew somehow that I wanted to get in the industry, uh, in the tourism industry, but I just didn't know in the beginning what that meant. And I had this luck, let's say, that I, uh, that I received a call right, uh, right when, I was, uh, when I graduated. And uh, this company called me and said, do you want to go work the summer in this Greece uh, resort, in this resort in Greece? And I had no idea what that was like and what I was getting myself into. But it was just, you know, the travel part. And, the, and I was really interested in learning and, and starting to work right away. So I just took the job without even knowing what it was going to be. And I found myself in the guest relations world right away because it was a guest relations position. Um, and that it's, it's right then when I realized, I mean, I came home after that experience and I took my master in hospitality and I've just been in the industry ever since. It was just like 
that's exactly what I needed to do. I can't believe how lucky I am. Because sometimes for some people, it takes a while to realize where they want to go, what it is that they want to do. So it was a little bit of luck uh, that I got that opportunity. But during that summer, I just, my day was basically walking around, talking to people, massaging the line and, you know, uh, walking around the pool and see who wants to do yoga today and who who would like to uh, to talk to the concierge to do some interesting activities. And it was just so easy um, that that's, I think that's when I realized this is, this is really what I want to do. There is nothing else that makes me so uh, energetic, that gives me so much passion because I get my energy from spending time with people. So um, yeah, it was my very first job. I mean, lucky me. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. I, I have the same experience. My first ever job was also in a hotel and it was like, Okay, there's nothing else I'm going to be doing now. This That's is this exactly is it. it. Um, so you've been you've been able to progress over your 15 year career um, and uh, have served the guests and employees at a lot of high profile properties globally. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your career progression so we can kind of get a sense of how you've ended up where you are now? Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said, that this uh, this first um, exposure to hospitality was in guest relations. Um, so I started with the fun part of it, let's say, the light, easier, fun part. Um, and then after I took my, uh, I got my master's degree, I did an internship at a sales and marketing office um, for a really good company. Um, I'm not sure if we are allowed to talk about brands and companies and things like that. A lot of our guests do. Um, okay. So if you feel comfortable, you're more than welcome to. I'm, I'm comfortable. I just don't know if, uh, if that's something that you guys uh, publish or not. But um, yeah, so I started my, I did my first internship in sales and marketing. Um, it wasn't exactly my thing. That's, you know, during that time in the office, I realized that I'm a hotel animal. So I prefer to be in operations and I asked to be moved to one of the properties where I did, uh, I, I continued the internship in, in food and beverage. And then after that, I, uh, I moved to London uh, and worked in the events um, department. So I did a little bit of conference events, um, meetings, um, which, was, which was also really fun. Um, I got into the world of banquets, which is something that I continued to do for the next couple of years. When I, I moved back to Parkai at Milan, and that's what I was doing. I, I did banquets, sales, and operations. And then I was lucky enough that the company moved me over uh, to their property in New York. Um, and I worked there at the Grand High in New York. And actually, I went back and took a step back to guest relations because I was dealing with VIPs. Uh, and I built their VIP operations program from scratch. There was no such a thing before. Um, you know, the Grand Hyatt New York is a huge property. Uh, they have 1,300 rooms and it's, it's a big machine of in and out, in and out. It's all about revenue. So right. there was really some need to put some guest relations uh, management in place. And um, I'm pretty proud of what I did because I really created that position. And, and after I left, they replaced it and it's still there. And it's quite, it became a department. Um, so I'm pretty proud that I was able to establish that the, the guest relations the customer service, you know, uh, scores improved after that. Um, so I think I did a pretty good job there. Uh, and after that, I worked at the other two properties, uh, at the two Andas that are in New York, uh, and it moved into the front office. So that's when I did 
guest services and night audits and you know you've done night audits as well i think right so you I know am, how yeah. that is <laughs> but it's it's really really um interesting i definitely recommend it to everybody i always do um so moved into the front office parts and and dealt with guest services and concierge and night audit and pbx and so on uh then i opened a property in austin texas uh, as director of front office so i had the whole front of the house i was responsible for the whole front of the house uh, the opening went really well. We actually got really good reviews on TripAdvisor right off the bat. We were number one after six months that, from opening. Um, that was a fantastic team. I think I've never worked with, with a better team in my life. Uh, and I'm still in touch with all of them. They're just all really great. Um, and then after that, I came back to Europe and went to Amsterdam for a simple matter of paperwork. At that time, it was time to uh, evaluate what to do with my visa and my uh uh, immigrant situation, let's call it. Uh, we decided to go back to Europe and Amsterdam was a, a really good choice for several reasons, personal and professional. Um, and I got the luck of stumbling into the Pulitzer, which is a fantastic property. I got in pretty quickly, I think after a month or so that we were there, uh, that I moved there, I started working in reservations, um, which was something that I don't necessarily love. Um, because it's office work again, and I'm, I'm an operations person. I need to be on the floor. Um, but it was really interesting because I got exposed to the revenue part, which is something that I was familiar with, but not too much in detail. So, and I really wanted to learn about that. Um, so the, the revenue knowledge comes from that experience. Uh, and after that, I just, you know, uh, the, the housekeeping manager was leaving at the time and I was able to get her position uh, and then from, from there, they actually moved me, the same company that owns the hotel in Amsterdam, moved me over to, uh, to Washington, D.C. to open their first property in the United States. So that's when uh, they offered me to come as a director of room. So that was a first for me. I was a little bit interested in see how I would deal with it because doing an opening already is quite a, an intense experience. And doing an opening as a first-time director of rooms was you know, quite, uh, quite interesting. Um, and I think I did a good job. I mean, I handle myself quite well and I'm, I'm proud of what I was able to do. It's just, you know, sometimes, uh, things don't go as you expect and with the COVID situation, it is what it is. And <laughs> now this is where I am. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I want to go back and talk about your, um, your time at the Grand, Grand Hyde in New York. Cause that sounds like, a problem that a lot of large box properties uh, face uh, is, you know, it's very much, you know, in and out, flip the room, get the guest in, just routine after routine every single day. And sometimes personal personalization and hospitality can get lost in all of that. Um, yeah. And especially when we hear, you know, the news, like on our, our uh, most recent episode, we interviewed somebody who had worked at the Palmer House in Chicago. I don't know if you're familiar with that property. Yeah. Um, 1,600 rooms, and you know, it, it was very much a grand dame of Chicago. Um, but now it's being foreclosed on for 340 million dollars of debt. Um, and you know, I, I can't help but wonder, with maybe with a more thorough guest relations program, and really really caring about the hospitality could that have helped you know save the hotel from from 
uh, that situation. So tell me a little bit about what the Grand Hyatt was like before and kind of when you got there and, and uh, how you were able to implement that and, and see those results that they're now currently using and you developed a department there. Tell me about yeah, that. that. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's actually a very interesting time in my career because that was the first time that I ever worked in a union property. Mm. In Europe, you know, uh, there's union, of course, but it's not as strong as in, especially in certain cities in the U.S. And I feel like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, you know, the union is so established that it's, it's, it's almost like a fight between management and employees. And that's the kind of... Um, and I've, I've talked about this in one of my articles that the Grand Hyatt... Uh, was like I said, the first property where I worked that was so uh, so strongly union, and it was quite an interesting, different environment for me. It was pretty pretty difficult in the beginning because there was, like I said, this atmosphere of employees versus management, uh, and it almost felt like the two parties weren't trying to work together to make the hotel successful. Everybody was kind of going in their own direction. So management was trying to get results. And the staff was caring about their own personal profit and their own personal benefit versus, you know, trying to work together. And that's kind of an obstacle that I saw right there. But there's nothing you can do. You're not going to change the union. So the only thing you can do at that point is change yourself. Try to get in the habit of, you know, working the way they work and try to see where there's little things here and there that you can do to make it a little bit better. The other part of it is that the Grand Hyatt is the type of property that I don't want to say that guest relations and customer service isn't their priority, but in a way, it's it's a lot more about the in and out and the money that comes in. That's It's one of the biggest revenue generators in the company. So, you know, when you have that kind of result, the numbers are always up, are always strong. Uh, and the hotel is constantly one of the of the top revenue generators in the company. The hotel, as far as you can see, is doing well. So you know, do you wanna you know do you wanna dig deeper uh, and and look at what other possibilities are there for sure? Um, but you know, as an owner or as a company, when you look at those numbers, you think that the hotel is doing well. So you might not necessarily see that there's need for improvement in other in other parts. Um, and but I was coming from a park Hyatt. I was coming from luxury, and it's all about service, and it's not about the money, as you know. You know, the, those luxury hotels typically are the lowest revenue generators in a in a brand. And so for us, it was it was a completely different approach for me coming from there to here. So it was definitely difficult. Um, but I was uh, I, I started the, the the VIP program by trying to see. I reached out to all the VIPs that were coming and there were a lot. There was from, you know, the loyalty program, uh, membership status that was recognized as a VIP. And that was a lot of people, of course, <laughs> uh, from that to, you know, uh, company CEOs and companies, vice presidents. And we had a lot of big names. We had celebrities as well. So there was a whole variety of VIPs that I could work with. For me, the most important part was to identify the people that were there all the time, the ones that were regular VIPs, and sit down with them and try to understand what can I do to change how things are going or to improve how things are going. So that's actually what I did. I had meetings with them. As they were coming back, I would reach out and see, do you have a half an hour for a coffee for me? I'm new and I'd like to see what I can do. 
uh, I had I had several of those meetings with those VIPs and and just got their ideas to be honest. So all the things that I implemented were a little bit suggested by them, uh, and I basically put them in place. So I was giving them what they wanted. I think that's why it worked out pretty quickly. And and you know in some cases it was it was very little things. It wasn't major things that you might think a VIP might want. It was just the little things that they. The consistency, I think, was the most important part. They they would come back every week and, and they felt like every week I have to remind these people what I need in my room, how I need my bed made, or at what time I'm coming, if I'm coming early because I always, I'm always i always on a red, uh, on a red eye. Uh, so I'm going to be there early and every time, you know, they don't have my room ready. So it's always the little things happening and it's, it's, it's pretty inconsistent. So that's what I tried to do, try to make those things consistent. And then I, I created a bit of structure. There was no structure as far as how to deal with the, with the you know, customers. Created just a simple crea- creation of a database, of a, of a spreadsheet where I would list all the preferences of these people. Uh, you know, between the PMS and, and Excel files, I combined, I created this huge database and then we had everybody's preferences written down, ready to go as soon as we need them. When this VIP is coming, we know exactly what they need, exactly what to do. And I created a big communication with the departments that are involved. You know, obviously housekeeping is important for a VIP. Room service when it comes to amenities, the front office and the restaurant. So there was a pretty good communication flow going between me and the other departments to make sure that everything was in place before this VIP was coming. And I had a constant communication with them. My focus would be calling, emailing, talking to them before, during, after to make sure that they had what they needed. And, And with some of them, it just got, they were so pleased that we got into um, what's the word? It's not a personal relationship, but it was, it was almost for them like coming back and seeing a friend versus the person that's behind the desk that's gonna give them the keys or, or you know, the, the, the VIP amenity and so on. So I still talk to some of them. Uh, and, and I was at the Grand Hyatt 10 years ago. So that's pretty significant for me that I was able to maintain those relationships. It almost feels like I was really able to make the difference. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of that. And then when I was leaving um, to move on to my next position, I, I spent quite some time with the people that there wasn't a replacement at that point. So I had to do handover with people that were still there. And eventually they would hand over to the new person. Um, <clears throat> And I spent, spent quite some time to make them understand not only the technical part of how to deal with all these little components, um, but for me, the important part is let's not go back and, you know, to where we were before, let's maintain this relationship with these people. You need to be their point of contact. You need to be the person that they reach out when, when, you ha- when they need anything or when they have an issue, they need to know that you are the one. Because when you don't have a contact, that's, I think that's the thing also that makes the difference for certain level of guests is calling the switchboard or just going to the desk and find whoever is there doesn't really work. They need to know that they're talking to the person that already knows what they need and that is prepared to welcome them back, is prepared to assist them because they have the information. So I really insisted on continue this relationship, maintain the relationship and, and, and try to do the same thing with as, as new people are coming in, teach the staff how to, how to deal with VIPs. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a little bit how, uh, how I was able to achieve it, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and that's a very, very inspiring story because I know that there are people listening to this right now who have been in a situation where whether it was a union property or a larger property, whatever the challenges that they're uniquely facing have been, you know, maybe they've had to give up or that the daily demands of of working in such a, a large hotel or a busy hotel have made it so that they can't be consistent with those things. Because right. we've all had projects that have fallen by the wayside because of how busy the hotel is just to stay above water. Um, yeah. but, but the fact that you were able to overcome that in such a busy environment and, and create a lasting legacy for that hotel uh, is is truly remarkable. I also, I don't think I've ever met anybody who has stayed in contact with guests from 10 years ago. That's incredible. Yeah, I love that part, actually. I really love it. I'm, I'm pretty big at, you know, keeping in touch and making and, and, and enlarging the network and making connection. And when I do make those connections, I, I really cultivate them. I don't like to just let go and, you know, sure, we work together now, and but now it doesn't matter anymore because I'm not here. I, I, I'm really good at keeping in touch and especially with the people that have been significant for me or if I've been significant for them. And, and that's really kind of the culture that I try to teach the new people that were taking over for me. I said, you know, I created this culture. Now try to maintain it, try to teach the, the front desk agents to you know, to um, to treat those guests in a way that they know that they're coming back to the place where they're usually happy. Just continue the legacy. Um, and I, yeah, like I said, I think it's, I think it's still there. I, uh, and I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. Cause I, I've experienced it time and time again, where, you know, a, a return guest and a VIP business traveler, they come back every week. And for them, the hotel is so familiar because that's where they stay every single week. But for the front desk agent at a 1300 room in New York, uh, 1300 room hotel in New York city, it's, that's just one of thousands of guests that they see on a, on a daily basis. So for, for you to be able to kind of instill that in them, that that guest is, is singularly important and not just another one of the numbers is huge. How do you go about teaching somebody who may not be used to it the value of of genuine hospitality like do you think that's something that can be taught to somebody do you or do you think that you kind of have it or you don't yeah I think it's I mean you touched on on my answer because you know it's funny when I interview somebody that's exactly what I'm looking for I'm I'm looking for that it's, it's something that you have in, in your DNA. So that's the DNA that I'm looking for. And it doesn't matter how much experience you have or don't have for certain positions, of course. But if I'm hiring, let's say, for a front-of-the-line employees, for a front-desk agent or a concierge or a, a housekeeping coordinator, if you don't have any experience, because I can always teach, teach you that right attitude. The, the passion for the job, it's either in you or I just can't put it in you. So I don't know if this is something that you can teach. I think that some people maybe haven't been exposed to it yet. And so they don't know that they have it. And then in that case, you can help them be out there and, and, and teach them how to talk to the guests. But they, are, they will be eventually the ones that will, that will grow their passion for the, for the business and for customer service. I just don't think, and this is, it brings me back to what I said, that the, the business is not for everybody because if you don't have that passion for hospitality, it's a very tough job already. And if you don't have it, it's even tougher. 
So the people that don't have that love and that devotion for customer service, for helping, helping people and for spending time with people, they will struggle in our industry and they will struggle in every industry that requires service. I, I hope it's not discouraging for certain people, but I really think that it takes a certain character to be able to do this job in a certain way. So to answer your questions, I don't think if there is a way to teach those people to have passion, I still haven't found it. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. Because one of your um, your sentiments from, from another article that I, I loved, and I think I actually have this one written down, is, you know, kind of going into the topic of the pandemic and the workforce, we know we see it, people leaving hospitality left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times out of necessity, but maybe sometimes for other reasons as well. Uh, and and you mentioned that that's that just hasn't crossed your mind yet. You haven't given up on the hotel industry. You haven't even considered going to another field. Um, and with that, you said the pandemic is going to leave us with a workforce that really belongs to hospitality. Yes. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Because that really struck a chord with me. Yes, for sure. I'm glad that you bring this up um, because this is one of the last things that I've been working on and I've given a lot of thought on it because, you know, at the end of the day, it's also, I don't know how popular this opinion is going to be, but this is, this is my opinion. This is the way I see things. And, you know, the pandemic is in a lot of ways, um, when you think about that workforce, obviously you're thinking about, well, there's a lot of talent that we are losing to it because a lot of people that are still passionate about it and a lot of people that are that are very good at this job are going to go work in other industries and for sure in something else and, and and perhaps they will be very good in a different industry because obviously the the pay will be better the schedule will be easier to handle and they will have let's say a better lifestyle so i'm i have the feeling that unfortunately a lot of this talent that will go to different industries might just not come back and, and, you know, the point of this article was also to see if to spark the interest in companies and see what do they think? Should we think about this? Should we really discuss this and, and, and try to find some proactive approach to it to make sure that once things are back to normal, as, as whatever normal means, that, that we are able to bring this talent back? Because that's the talent that has been building this industry in the last years and that has been making it what it is today. Um, and, and, you know, when you think about that, then obviously it's, it's sad to see that we are for sure going to lose a big amount of people. But like I said in my article, I think that the silver lining of this all is that the people that will stay or the people that will come back are the people that have this, this passion, this devotion for the industry that we, that we talk about, especially loyalty to the industry. Because a lot of people, you know, are in it for the, just because it's a job, they just need to clock in and out and get their paycheck. Or a lot of people perhaps have been thinking already for a long time about leaving the industry, but they just didn't have the necessary push yet. And the, the pandemic has been the push that they needed to, to go do something else. And, and I'm only happy for them because if they don't belong in this industry and they belong somewhere else, they will, they will be happier. They will do a better job. So everybody wins. Um, the people that will come back to hospitality are the ones that are that have this loyalty to the business and that are are really meant to be in it. I'm I'm a very strong advocate for the industry, so that's why 
the thought of leaving has not crossed my mind at all. And I, I really don't think it will. Um, I, I just can't see any reason why at some point I will say, well, I'm going to try some other job. And when I look at the jobs that are posted now, and when I think about what am I going to do in the next couple of months, there is nothing other than hotel jobs that I'm looking at because it's just my instinct is to go there. And if I, if I look at something else, I just don't have that sparkle, that, that interest or that excitement about applying or about looking into it because the excitement is all in hospitality. And, and so at the end of it, you know, we are going to be left with the people, like I said, that really belong to the industry. So there is some silver lining after all, I think. I do like that. Um, Cause you know, it's earlier you mentioned like, Oh, are, are, are we going to do anything as an industry to be proactive about all these people leaving? Um, and I do think that ironically we're doing the opposite and we're actually pushing people away because the hotels that are open, what we're seeing a lot of times is even the most loyal people I think are being pushed to the, the, their limits, you know, working on reduced salaries in their hotel, doing more work, dealing with a, a clientele of guests that's unique that maybe people have not experienced quite yet before um, because of just the different demand of, of who's traveling right now. And it's, I think it, there, there are people who are loyal, who are even at the point where they're being burnt out and exhausted. And instead of the industry and management companies and, and hotel groups, nurturing that loyalty and saying, Hey, we want to take care of you. We want to do this the right way. You're all we have left. I think sometimes there's a tendency to to almost make it worse to a certain extent, which I think is certainly a flaw in the industry that I can identify. Um, however, um, people stay because like you said at the beginning that interacting with people, it energizes you, it fuels you being, being able to provide hospitality is, um, is special and yeah. special and it's in a way that only the hotel industry can provide that to you. Yeah. Um, sure. Have you seen, um, you know, or talk to anybody who feels like they're, they're struggling with still working during the pandemic and, and what that's brought on? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of parts going on. I think that there's a lot of frustration right now uh, within, you know, the people that are still working or, 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 have been laid off and are waiting to go back to work. But it's, it's interesting for me to see both sides because on one side you have the people that have been furloughed or that are, that have been terminated and, you know, they don't know what to do with themselves. This is a very new situation for everybody and people are continuing to apply. And I think one thing that's happening on that side is that the industry, the companies are handling the recruitment is, frustrating for a lot of people because it's coming off as they they're not doing it properly they're not following up they are not sending you an email to acknowledge that you applied after an interview even there is no follow-up there and there's a lot of jobs that are posted but they are not being recruited for so there everything is paused everything is frozen and there's a lot of false hope that is being created that is being very frustrating and and you know saddening for people and on the other hand the people that are working, um, or actually one more thing that I wanted to say before that, there's also a lot of people that are being successful and at interviewing and, and getting jobs, but they complain about, you know, offers that are 
ridiculous, let's say, the of uh, salaries that are not um, that don't value them enough, and and everybody feels a little bit like companies are underestimating the value of these people that are that are out there looking for jobs, and and then on the other side, the people that are working currently are faced to uh, deal with difficult guests apparently and uh, and having to cover multiple positions having to uh, work crazy hours even crazier than 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 it usually is in the in the hotel business and everybody has to take a pay cut so there's a lot of people that are covering let's say three four roles and and working long days long hours every day no days off and they're they're working on a reduced pay um, so it's it's difficult for the people that are that are currently working and and that are currently applying for jobs. I think that there's a general cloud of frustration that's going on in our industry at the moment, and and I completely understand it. On the other end, though, this is this is a first for everybody. So I am not surprised to see that companies are having a hard time dealing with it and a hard time finding the right solution for it. So I think. As, a, as an industry, we need to be a little bit more understanding about what's, about what's going on. Because for sure, I understand, like I said, that it's frustrating and that, that it, it can be disheartening and discouraging what's going on. But at the same time, you know, there is no good, nothing comes out from, nothing good comes out from, from going against each other. It seems almost like company management and, and, and staff that's like, button heads at the moment and nothing good can come from that we need to find a common ground to be able to resolve these problems together so another thing that i that i hear now is the point that you brought up and it's the i don't know if you wanted to talk about that in a separate question you you let me know um sure. but the the fact that there is this new type of guest that's that's apparently really challenging right now um and I, I'm, I'm hearing the, the craziest stories from, from my friends and from my ex-colleagues or, or, you know, on social media. You see plenty of comments about people saying the guests that are coming now are horrible and they destroy the rooms and they damage the furniture and they live without paying and they, and they steal and they are very demanding and they're rude and they're abusive and they are aggressive to the staff and all these things. And it's, it's horrible to hear that and it really breaks my heart that my colleagues that are currently working have to go through that but at the same time all these thoughts and all these feelings that are coming out they're they're again making creating an atmosphere of uh conflict it seems again that there is like people working in the industry that are against the guests and vice versa and that's not the way to go about it. I understand that that's difficult and these guests are not being cooperative in a situation that's already difficult. But why are they acting like that? We need to make a, a better effort as an industry if we really are the compassionate people and empathetic people that we all, you know, promote that we are then we really need to, to show that. We really need to find a common ground with this guest and find out why is this happening. This is difficult for the guest as much as it is for us. You know, it's a new situation once again, and people deal with, with difficulties and with frustrations in different ways. And I'm not saying that it's okay to be aggressive towards a staff member or to be abusive in any way or to disrespect the hotel property when you're going to stay as a guest. But there has to be a better way to deal with this than what's going on now. What's going on now just gives me the feeling that 
hotel people, hotel workers and guests are in two separate universes and they're just against each other. And there's a battle. There's like a war going on between these two worlds. And that's just not what I want to see, if that makes sense. I, um, I actually got goosebumps when you were talking because I um, totally agree with, with everything you just said. Um, when we are the during this this pandemic especially before during after the hospitality industry should be leading the 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 efforts to be empathetic in the in the world should be you know uh be understanding and and promote positivity and 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 happiness and to your point what we have now is owners and management companies hotel staff and guests in three completely different universes. Um, and when we have a hotel industry that's collapsing around us, essentially, I mean, right. when you hear that one in four hotel owners are defaulting on their mortgage payments and, you know, we hear uh, that some hotels are, are, are being foreclosed on and, and, you know, hotels are being destroyed. Their products are, are being destroyed okay, obviously the, these schisms that we have in all the parties, ownership and management staff, and along with, with the guests, that's not getting us anywhere. That We're not contributing to our own recovery at this point. We're actually, it's almost right. like it's leading to our own demise, even more so. Um, and and I haven't really talked about this much uh, on our show, but I, I, I think that you really seem to, to get this and, 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 um, have a very unique opinion on on this on this subject matter, um, and I think it almost relates back to your point about cooperating uh, as an industry um, mm-hmm. that you mentioned in your blog posts. Um, so I I would like to kind of leave that to you. And do you have any advice for the industry as a whole to try and get these uh, divisions uh, mended so we can recover and move forward? <sighs> I mean, it's it's really a tough a, a tough thing that I can, I just can't put my finger in it. You know, at the moment, I think that we are at the point where we see that there's a problem, but I don't see much effort into figuring out what's the best way to 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 resolve this problem. You all you see, like you mentioned as well, is this division, and you know, the owners on one side and the management on the other side, the staff on the other side, the guests, and everything is is just it just feels like it's crumbling and that it's falling apart. And this is just not the right way to go about it. I'm not even I feel like I'm not even in the position to give advice in terms of what's the best way, what's the what's the right thing to do, because I'm not working at the moment. So I don't want to come across as in she's not even working. What is she talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to come across as uh, the kind of person that's, that's saying things without really being into the world right now, because it's definitely different when you're listening to the comments and when you're in it, because you're going to work every day and you're dealing with these things. So I don't want to uh, under uh, underestimate the f- or, or discount anybody's feelings. That's that anybody that's going through this right now, I'm just saying that th- this approach is just a little bit disrupt. This what's the word? I'm sorry. Dis- destructive. Destructive. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, versus, you know, we are already coming from a moment where everything is falling apart. So, if anything, we should come together and and find the best way to bring it all together again and and go up. 
and not continue this division, this, this separation of opinion. And, you know, I read something that's very interesting. I, uh, somebody that made a comment regarding this topic that said, what's going on in the hospitality industry with all these guests and these difficulties, these challenges that the staff is facing is a bit of a reflection of what's going on in our country right now. Hey, Carter. Um, in the sense that you can see in our country so much division, so much conflict of opinions, so much, um, you know, and, and I don't want to get political in any way, please. Um, but, but you see, the, the, it's, it's like big groups that are thinking completely different and they, you just can't find a common ground. So th this person was saying the, the things that are going on in our country nowadays, this feeling, this frustrations, it's kind of reflected in the business world. It's reflected in our workplace. And you see the same thing happening, all this division, all this conflict. And it's just very destructive. It's, there's just no way that, that this is the solution. So to answer your question, I don't, I don't think I have insights or, or you know, uh, uh, anything, anything that I can say that will, that will change people's approach. But I guess just talking about it is already something because I would like for people to start thinking more about what we are doing and, and you know, try to, try to come out of it, try to cooperate more with each other, try to talk more with each other and, and, and put the parties together and, and, you know, at least starting to think about the fact and a knowledge about the fact that this is going on. Because I feel like there's not much acknowledgement. Everybody is kind of doing their thing and, and complaining about the other parts without acknowledging oh my God, the industry has another problem now that we need to face. We're just bringing it to, towards another, another obstacle. Very, very well said. I personally have not seen or heard much of a dialogue among hoteliers about this subject, um, but I feel that it's a very real topic of conversation, a very real issue that everybody's facing. And ultimately, again, you know, I'm, I'm no expert, but if you really were to deduce this and boil it down to its most simple solution. And I, I, I really think that it would be empathy and hospitality would, would be the solution to this because you have, you know, frontline employees who are blaming the guest because they're so terrible right now, apparently, and everything, you know, it's, it's so bad. But meanwhile, these guests are, you know, a lot of the times not as well traveled as before. And, and with the stress of everything going on in the world, going to a hotel has always been an escape for people. It's a place to be someone you're not. And it's a place to, to relax and get out of your house. You've been quarantining with the same people in your house for the last six months. They want to get out. So it, empathy could be applied there and, you know, from the guests to the team, oh my God, you're probably working during this pandemic and I'm sure it's exhausting. And, and, and the same way that the staff could be empathetic to the fact that the owners are on the brink of losing their business that they worked their entire lives to build um, and, and, and vice versa. And I think to, to go back to, the reason that we're all here, which is hospitality and empathy and understanding for one another and, and, and the foundation of the industry that we love so much, uh, we would find a lot of solutions within that fabric and within that framework of, of fundamentals that we built this industry on. Um, 
So I, I definitely think that at the very least, like you said, acknowledging and starting the conversation. Starting the dialogue, right, exactly. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that as we kind of perpetuate this conversation and, and hopefully it gets talked about more, uh, maybe uh, we'll, we'll kind of collaborate and collectively come up with some sort of way to address it because whether or not hotel owners are, you know, that everybody's talking about the hotels that are being foreclosed on and, and the financial trouble that's ensuing. Um, but if the, if the industry recovers and these divisions still exist, it, it won't, it won't recover to the point that it could. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, one is contingent on the other, so to speak. Yeah. For sure, for sure. I mean, the recovery doesn't just mean financially, you know, it doesn't only mean bringing people back. It just means going back to where to, to where we were before all of this, where we are able to provide that service, where, where there is a, a peaceful interaction with the guest, where the staff can love, again, what they're doing. Because this is the other thing that's worrying me is people saying that because of how things are going during the pandemic, even though they've always been passionate and loyal to the industry, it's making them want to change their job. And this is, it's very disheartening to hear this, that also those people are drowning to the point that they're having these thoughts. So we need to go back to a place where people love what they do, where people love coming to the hotels, to staying in hotels and, and where the hotel, you know, can be the cherry on top of your experience and not a place where, where the guests and the staff have, have, you know, difficult conversations or, or difficult moments. Um, so the recovery, yeah, it's, it's very well said. It's not just, it's not about the financials only. It's about a lot of things that we seem to be losing touch on lately for, for very good reasons. I understand everybody's point. I understand everybody's perspective. And I think for the staff, it's also very difficult to understand why the owners and the upper management is making certain decisions. And if you, but that's the thing, if you think only with your own head right now, you're just not going to survive this moment. We need to think as a group. We need to think as an industry, considering all points of view, considering why every decision is made without jumping to conclusion, because that's not what benefits you um, from, from all these parties. And um, I think that's already uh, already a lot if we acknowledge each other's choices and if we under try to understand more, um, you know, and the, the whole conversation that I hear also about staff talking about these guests that are coming back now and saying that they are, they are the way they are because now the rates are lower. And, and so it's attracting people that typically don't stay at hotels. And, and you know, now that they can, because they, have, they can pay less money, now they are coming to the hotels and they are damaging the, 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 the rooms and they are being uh, inappropriate and they're being super demanding and unreasonable, so on. I don't like to hear this kind of comment because it's just not what hospitality is about. What a guest is paying makes absolutely no difference in the way I'm going to treat you or in the way I'm going to look at you. So for me to hear this kind of comment is just not, it's just not what I want to hear. It's, it's like stereotyping and saying that, you know, the person that, that never stays in a hotel or doesn't have the money to afford a luxury hotel 
you know, is, is for sure going to be one of these kind of guests. It's just stereotyping. And I, I just really disagree with it. And I think it's the wrong approach. So we all need to think about the way we talk about each other, the way we talk about the guests, the way that, 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 you know, we talk about the ownership and, and the decisions that they make and just try to go out of our heads for a moment and look at the bigger picture because things are being done for a reason, you know? And so we need to have a little bit more trust in each other. I feel like the trust is getting, getting a punch, if you know what I mean. I just want to give you like a round of applause right now, honestly, because those comments that I've been hearing as well, we've all been hearing them about the, you know, the, the rates are lower. So that's why all this is happening. That's the reason why this is happening. And that's just, uh, that's just a short sighted and just unfair comment to make. Very Um, And again, you know, this is because I want to continue to be empathetic to even the people making those comments, because I understand the, the months of frustration that you're bearing on your shoulders every day. And that would cause you to, to, to lash out and say something like that. But every time a guest comes in who, you know, is paying a lower rate than you're used to seeing, who maybe isn't very well traveled, that's an opportunity for, for you to make that person feel like a million bucks. Like that, that's somebody is, it's so intimate when you stay at a hotel and somebody is, is trusting you with that special moment in their life, you know, um, to be able to stay at, at a place they've never been to before. It's magical. It's alluring. It's mysterious because you've heard about it. You've seen it on TV, but now you get to stay there for the first time. Uh, and then to get there and then for the staff to be rude or condescending because they're making snap judgments or, you know, or for the guests who's just simply trying to have a good stay and they show up and, the, the police are outside the hotel because of some other problem that happened or people are fighting and, and it just is not welcoming. It's not pleasant. And uh, I, I definitely think that without a doubt, these issues are certainly something that we, we should continue to talk about. Um, now I do also speaking of, of talking about these issues and, and, and starting dialogues. Um, I do want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about um your reasoning for starting your blog, uh, my heart and hospitality. Uh, I, I have enjoyed reading it as I think many other people have and will, as, as you continue to grow your audience, just tell me a little bit about your, uh, your thought process for starting that. Sure. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it as well. Um, this is something that I started pretty recently actually. And as a result of being unemployed, um, you know, I, I was furloughed at the beginning of June and I'm just not the kind of person that likes to sit around and wait for things to happen. And I'm in a bit of a particular situation as well, because I'm waiting for my paperwork to be approved. So at the moment I am not able to apply for jobs. So I just have no choice, but not working. And, and that's, that's really killing me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I really needed to do something to, uh, to keep busy um, but that wasn't the main reason. The main reason is that when you're, when you're out of the job that you like so much and there is such a big event going on in that world, you want to stay connected and you want to stay informed and know what's going on. And for me, it was really important to understand the impacts of the pandemic on my industry 
from a very close perspective and not just from you know uh, from reading articles or reading newspapers and things like that. I really wanted to understand what does that mean for the hotel business? What is going on? How is that changing things? Because I need to know this. This is a one-time in a life event and I need to know what's going on in detail. So I needed to stay connected. I needed to stay uh, informed. And I, and, and then I thought also, this is maybe a good opportunity for me to contribute, to give something back. I need to be productive. I can't just sit here and read and, and research. I need to, I need to try a way to give, uh, to find a way to give something back. So I thought if I'm able to share the things I know, I'm up to this point, you know, I worked through the pandemic for a good four or five months. So I have also a good understanding of what that means and what companies can do, what hospitality people can do also from the technical standpoint. So if I'm able to share the things that I know, COVID-related or, or non-COVID-related, then at least I can give something back. I can help other people and, and see what I can do to either assist with some advice or, you know, um, perhaps mentor junior people that are thinking about getting in the industry now or, or later. I just wanted to find a way to be productive and to be of some, to give some contribution, if that makes sense. And, yeah. you know, the idea of the blog started uh, with these, with these reasons. And uh, as I was writing about these topics, I just realized how much I enjoy doing it. And it's, it's nothing as it, it, I'm not trying to promote anything. I'm not trying to sell anything. This isn't a business. This is just something that I'm doing for myself in the hope that it will help others and that it will um, improve my network. Let's say, you know, there's a lot of connections, good connections that are coming from it. That's the part that I enjoy the most. And I mean, this conversation is a proof of that. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to also cooperate with other people that are doing similar initiatives in the business. So your podcast was a great inspiration. And, and I talked to a couple of other people that have a hospitality blog and they also have great ideas. So it's all down to the point of sharing what we have to, what we know, what we have to say, because I, I really think that, and, and it goes back to the cooperation point and it goes back to the main purpose of my blog. I think sharing is really one of the best ways to create a most powerful industry. If we all, I, I have this mentality where I don't like working. I don't necessarily enjoy working with people that want to keep the knowledge for themselves because they're afraid that if they share the knowledge, you know, other people might advance or other people might take advantage of it. And I see it completely the opposite way for me we need to to spread the information we need to stay informed we all need to share what we know and i can learn i can teach other people but i can learn from other people and and everything that i hear everything that i learn will enrich my my background will enrich my knowledge and my expertise so it's just a way for people in my position or in my industry to come together and you know and talk about things that are that sometimes we don't talk about or, you know, share opinions on things that we're like, well, you know, I'm not necessarily asked what's my opinion. I haven't been asked so far. So this is time to say what I really think and to, and to get my point across. So this is what I'm trying to do. Like I said, it's not a way to promote anything. So it's not a, it's not a business or anything like that. It's just more of a personal enrichment initiative that that's been giving me so much so far. And I'm, I'm, I have all the intentions to continue. And I really hope that I will have a bigger amount of people reaching out that I can help 
because the the goal of this is also to put it out there in a way that people will 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 contact me and will say, well, I saw that you have an idea on how to do a good, uh, I don't know, uh, upsells incentive or you know whatever. And can you tell me more about that? And can we? Uh, and can you help me with this project maybe? And and I would do it because I just love to help others and I just love to share the knowledge and the expertise. And it's it's just it just feels like it's a waste for me to have the knowledge to have the skills and not be able to share it right now. What do I do with it? I don't like keeping things for myself. I like to bring it up and, and, and see if other people can use it. So um, that's a little bit what I'm trying to achieve. And I hope that that's also clear from, you know, what, what I write in the blog and the way I write that that's the goal. And I'm hoping for more people to reach out to me. So I'm, I'm available and I'm available also for younger people. I love mentoring other people. Um, there's a lot of young professionals that are eager to learn, that are eager to get in the hospitality business. And a lot of them that I have really that right attitude that I'm looking for. And I would love to be a mentor for them. So please reach out to me. I'm available. I'm happy to help. I just love sharing and, and I love continuing the legacy and, and, you know, making sure that the, that what I have to say and what I have to teach, if it's, if it's working for other people, I, I just love to get it out there. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That, and that's, again, what we all need right now is, is sharing and uh, coming together as an industry and um, just, just to, to be united. Um, now, for those listening who do want to reach out to you and who do want to, um, you know, uh, whether it is they have a question for you or want to be mentored by you, um, what is the best way that our listeners here at Hospitality MD can uh, find you, contact you, and stay in touch with what you're up to? Mm-hmm. Well, there is all my contact information on the website. Uh, there is actually a page on the website that's it's sort of a forum uh, form where people can enter questions or comments or request also topics if there's anything that i haven't haven't talked about yet and somebody would like to hear about that that's that's the platform where you can do that um or simply reach out to me via email my email address is on the website as well uh, like i said it's sylvia.k at my heart hospitality.com i check that email regularly and i'm i'm just dying to receive i've, I've had people contact me but i'm just dying to receive more um more questions and because I really want to hear from the people what what it is that they're looking for what it is that they need help with um like you said we all need to be united right now this is a one time it's it's a first for everybody um and and we haven't been exposed to a situation like this before so what better opportunity to come together and and help each other get through it definitely definitely um, so for everybody listening, we will include Sylvia's uh, LinkedIn profile in our show notes. We'll include the My Heart and Hospitality blog uh, and also have a, uh, her email written out as well. So there'll be plenty of ways for you listening to get in contact with Sylvia. I think it's apparent from her demeanor that she really does want to help and that she uh, is genuine about her love of hospitality and about being hospitable to the people in this industry. Um, so with that being said, Sylvia, I thank you again for being on the show with us. Uh, this has been one of the more pleasant conversations that I've had on this show. And I, I really enjoyed getting to talk to you about uh, what doesn't 
what, what, what nobody else is talking about right now. So thank you for, for giving me an opportunity to do that. No, uh, thank, thanks to you. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really glad, like I said, to be a part of this. And it's just, I think it's a good example of how, what we can do to come together and share opinions and, and bring up these topics that nobody's talking about, like you said. So thank you so much for having me. It was great. It was a fantastic pleasure. I'm, I'm really happy that I was able to contribute in some way and looking forward to uh, hearing more of your interviews. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.